You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey gals, hope you're having a great week. Hey, I got a bunch to jump into today, but before I do, I feel like I haven't done this in a little bit, and I sort of every once in a while like to take a sec and just kind of remind you guys of some stuff that's going on at Athey Women or ways that you can connect with us and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to try to do this quickly because I really do have a lot of things that I would like to get to today. But here we are. This is middle of November. This Saturday, November 20th, we're going to have Devoted Live. And this is our last one for the year. We take a break in December. And And so this one is going to be real fun because we're going to have a panel where we have some of our amazing gals from Athey, and they actually are just going to field questions that you guys send in. So you guys can send in your questions. And if you haven't seen those links yet, watch your social media or go back and check the newsletter from last month. But you can send us questions and then we'll be answering those and just doing that. Those have we've done those in the past and they've just been real, real good. It's so good to hear from these just amazing godly ladies. So I'm really excited for that. That's going to be on November 20th. And then also just kind of want to give you a heads up in December, I'm going to be a little hit or miss. I'll probably pop in once in December, but you guys know how December is and Christmas and the 900 things that seem to be going on. And also December is when I sort of take a little bit of a pause and I work on the study that's going to be coming up next year. So that's kind of where I put my nose to the grind and really focus on that. So I won't be on the podcast quite as much. So I do want to remind you guys of that. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do that because that's the best way to know that you there's a new episode when I do these silly things like take two weeks and don't record or something. So just subscribe and then you'll know when we come back. So that's going to be in December. And then one other announcement, guys, because this is so fun, is in January, we do our New Mercies event. And it's going to be January 28th and 29th. And it is so fun. I don't know if you went last year, there is always an option to watch it online. Absolutely. And I always just, my heart breaks a little bit because I sure can't send you any of the yummy treats if you're watching us in Texas or in Connecticut or New York. I, you know, I wish there was a way that we could just, you know, have you all with us. But for those of you that can join us here at our Westland location, we'll have two events. We do a Friday evening one, and then it's the exact same thing on Saturday morning. So don't sign up for both. (laughs) Just sign up for one. And the Friday, there'll be uh, desserts and different things like that. And then I think the Saturday morning one is more breakfasty type stuff. This one is going to be, there's all the fun food. Then there's worship with the whole Athey Music Band. It's amazing. And then we get into the Word. We do some fun giveaways you get this really cool New Mercies mug. It's real fun. We do a different one each time. So it's a really fun event. I will tell you guys, though, you got to sign up and get your ticket for it. And it kind of goes quickly. So if you really want to come in person, please, please, I so want to have everyone who wants to be there come. But I also know we have limited square footage, too. So once you see those signups come up on the website or whether you see it online, um, you know, social media or something, don't let the grass grow. (laughs) Just get on there and get signed up right away. So that's going to be really fun. And if you're wondering just in general where to find out where things are happening, you know, always check our website at athecreek.com and go to the women's ministry page. We keep lots of good stuff there. Um, If you don't 
if you're not signed up for the newsletter, you there's a link on the website for you to click and you can sign up through the newsletter because some of you guys are not on social media. And I think you're amazing, by the way. And so if you're not on social media, I would say the best way to kind of get the scoop is to either go to the website or to make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter. We don't really spam you guys a lot. We really it's one newsletter a month. I think there's been one time I've hit you guys twice. The rest of the time is just once a month and kind of giving you the whole spiel of what's going on. So check out there and then that'll kind of keep you in the loop. Okay, that was way too long on announcements, but I don't do that very often and I felt like I needed to kind of get us up to speed. So what I want to do today is I want to talk a little bit about memeology. Okay, memeology. And if you don't know what I mean by this, I've referenced it a couple times in Bible studies, whether it's been the John study or Devoted Life. But what I'm meaning, you know, we know what memes are, right? The memes that you see on Facebook or Instagram, or it might even just be, it could be anything in print that is kind of a beautiful picture maybe in the background or, you know, a beautiful font. And then it's just got this quote on it. And usually the quote is, meant to be either, you know, very pithy, and maybe it's just real short, or maybe they're longer, but they're trying to communicate a really powerful point in their little three by three block or whatever those blocks are. When I reference memeology, I'm kind of referring to theology through a meme. And because some of these guys are trying to put forth some so-called theological truth within these little paragraphs that they put in there. And I often find that these are more than a little bit off. But sometimes it's not just theology. And I've kind of been tucking these little gems away. You might detect a little bit of sarcasm there. And as I've been kind of collecting these and even preparing for this episode, I discovered I'm going to need to do probably just a whole episode on just the theology-specific memes, because those are, wow, there's some good stuff there. So so stay tuned for that. But today I want to look at some of the feel-good ones, you know, some of the feel-good memes that are, man, they're trying to pack a punch and give you some really important truth in their humble opinion. Again, sorry, the sarcasm. But are they always? Are they always? And I I do believe that we need to be really discerning with these things that we read. Almost always with these little nuggets, there's a shred of truth in them. And and so that, that little piece of truth often lends to this temptation that to validate the entire statement. You know, and and this can come in all forms. We can see this with maybe a particular author, maybe, or a speaker that they put out a quote or even a book maybe that they wrote 15 years ago or something that was solid. It was so good. You know, biblically, you could look at it and go, yeah, that stands up. Or if it's a meme, perhaps more recent, everything in the statement can look real good. But whether it's context that needs to be looked at or perhaps over time they come away from that, sometimes we still have to be really discerning about about these little quotes that we're reading. So let me give you an example. And um, this is an example that I actually brought up in one of the John teachings. So this may be familiar to you if you're also participating in the John study. But the little saying of you cannot pour from an empty cup. You cannot pour from an empty cup. So this one's interesting to me because, well, I might kind of agree with that, maybe, but maybe it depends. Because if if we're saying you cannot pour from an empty cup and we're talking about rest and Sabbath 
and taking that biblical Sabbath and rest and caring for ourselves, then I would say, yeah, you, you do need that rest and to fill your cup back up, even physically in that way. But often I would be questioning what we're putting in the cup in the first place, because usually tied in with this statement is that you just need more me time. You need more time for yourself. You need more time for you, 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 you know, and you probably have experienced this. But if you're filling your cup with just yourself, you're going to be really disappointed in the end. It's not going to be good. Now, we do know that there's good stuff you can fill your cup with, right? You know, Luke 6, 45, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the things that we are taking in, the things that we're perhaps putting in our cup, those are the things that are, will overflow. And so the question is then, if if your cup is empty, what are you filling it with? Now, if you're filling it with me time, bummer. If you're filling it with the word of God, this is where the good stuff comes from. Because that's when the overflow of the heart, that's what's going to speak. You, it's just going to start coming out. And it, it, that's that's what we want. That would be a blessing to other people. But continuing to pack our cup with more of ourselves is not really what we should be going for here. So that's just an example of one. Here's an, another one. And this has so many iterations of the same thing. But here's an example. A woman is unstoppable once she realizes she deserves better. Oh, goodness. Okay, so I could I could probably read you guys about 15 of these that say something to the effect of what you deserve, what you deserve. And this is one of those that you need to pause and you need to think about this because when we biblically look at this, what do we deserve? What does the Bible say that we deserve? Now, I'm going to skim this because as I realized I was studying this, I was like, oh my goodness, we could just spend just that on the what I deserve. So I'm going to circle back even to this one so that we can talk about this more fully. But just because I don't want to leave you hanging on this, what do I deserve? Ephesians 2, 3 calls us actually children of wrath. Wow, does that sound a little harsh? But that's what the Bible says that we are. Ephesians 2, 3 says, among whom... We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Okay, that's what we are, folks. We are children of wrath. So biblically, then, if you read a quote that says a woman is unstoppable once she realizes she deserves better, you're already going to have to go, wow, that is not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say that I, I deserve all these amazing things. That, that's not what the Bible says. So I know I'm uh, skimming the surface on that one. We'll come back to really that because I think so many of these quotes probably need to start with us having a really good understanding of who we are, who we are in Christ, who we are as sinners, really, and understanding that, yes, we are, we are children of wrath. We would be headed for hell if it were not for the cross and really getting that and substituting this whole I deserve mentality with, oh, what I deserve is actually death and hell. But thanks be to God, we don't have that because of his grace and his redemption. So that's a big piece. But that's another one of those. We have the the what I deserve. Where I want to spend most of our time today is on one that I found that was called note to self. So here's what note to self says. And then I'm going to break these down a little bit. So first, just try to put on your hat of just if you were, you know, sitting at home and you're scrolling along in your social media feed or, you know, flipping through a magazine and you see this and it says note to self, your feelings are valid. 
You do not need anyone's resonate. Go back to the beginning and note to self. Note to self, your feelings are valid. You do not need anyone else's approval. Three, you are allowed to enforce your boundaries. Four, you are capable of amazing things. Five, you are enough. So this little meme that I found more than one, like if you go to, if you go to Pinterest, yep, you're going to see this. You're going to see it quite a bit of it. And it said note to self. It was there in several different ways with different fonts and different colored backgrounds. Note to self with each of these things. So this is a great example. And I think this one actually covers a lot. So we want to look at these because our desire is to go, man, does this line up with scripture? So the very first one, your feelings are valid. Are they though? Are our feelings valid? Let's just back up first. What even are our feelings? Our feelings. Okay. So we're talking about if we're happy, if we're sad, if maybe we're in pain, maybe anxiety, fear. I mean, all of those can be feelings that we have. Now, as a general rule, why the Lord even created us with feelings, like if we're talking about pain, that's a real good reason because if your hand touches the stove, the pain tells you to move it away so you don't hurt yourself. So there's pieces of feelings, especially if we're talking about that. That's a good thing. That helps us. But are all of our feelings valid? All of them. So if something does not make us happy, does that mean that that is to be avoided at all cost? I think we need to pause and ask, you know, check on that. What about anxiety and fear? Well, we know that scripture tells us that we are not to have a spirit of fear. What about anxiety? Scripture says that we should be anxious for nothing. So in those cases, then you kind of take that that statement of your feelings are valid and you need to surrender those feelings, take those thoughts, those feelings captive even a bit and go, but are these feelings of the Lord or is this something that I need to lay down and surrender to Jesus? If we only did things that make us happy, well, first of all, I would probably have no teeth because it does not make me happy to go to the dentist. I am not comfortable. I do not like it. I'm not even like a very good adult about the the dentist, guys. I'll be serious. I don't enjoy the dentist. Those are my feelings. So is that valid? Well, I guess you could say that, okay, I genuinely don't care for it. However, if I just give in to my feelings and I'm not going to do something because I don't like it, because it doesn't make me happy and bring me joy, well, then that would not be good for me, right? You still go to the dentist. That's just the way it goes, right? And we have this principle in God's word. John 16, 33 says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's such a funny thing that we do where we we have this mentality that says that we should be striving for happiness at all costs, that we should be comfortable in all these things. All the while, we have John 16, 33 staring us in the face with Jesus saying, Jesus saying, in this world, you will have trouble. The end. Now, what's great is that it isn't really the end, is it? He is saying, I have overcome the world, but that the fact remains is that we are going to have trouble. So in this, my feelings are valid. You know, I've kind of torn this apart a little bit, but where's the shred of truth in this? I think an example where you see the shred of truth in this, and this perhaps is one because I've experienced this personally, is in grief. I think there is something at times that when we go through grief, when we've lost a loved one, that to give into the emotion and to actually just sit and be 
sad and cry for a second feels like, oh, wait, this is wrong. We're not supposed to do this. And I don't think that is healthy. I think just as scripture and we just as we see when Lazarus died and right before Jesus goes and raises him from the dead, it says Jesus wept. Was he wrong? Well, no, we would never say that he was wrong. Jesus cried. And so in that way, is it is it valid to give into those feelings that way? I think that it is. So that's kind of the point that I want to make with some of these is that you're going to notice there'll be something about them probably in most cases that is going to be like, oh, yeah, there's a shred of truth to that. So that's where the discernment comes in. You have to take the piece that is right, but then you got you to gotta sift out those pieces that that are not. It is not okay to just only strive for the things that make us happy or make us feel good or make our heart happy or feel good or, you know, all, all of those things. Remember Jeremiah 17, 9, it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Okay, that's not a feel good statement, right? I don't think we've seen many memes that remind us of how deceitfully wicked our heart is, but we probably should because that is what we need to be thinking about. Not so much that our feelings and our happiness and all of these emotions are valid. So there's one. So that was the first one. Note to self, your feelings are valid. The next one said, you are allowed to enforce your boundaries. This one is a little bit of a tricky one, I think. And, you know, biblically, what does this look like? I, I was looking up some scriptures as it pertains to this. In Proverbs 25, 17 says, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. So this one kind of cracks me up a little bit because, again, Proverbs is is so, so practical. And this is a real good example of it, right? Because he's telling you if you're the kind of person that is just constantly going to your next door neighbor, or maybe it's not your next door neighbor, any neighbor, wherever they are, whether that means you're texting them every five seconds or you're doing this, I, I think you could take that even to that place. It says, don't do that lest he have his fill of you and hate you. I think that's telling us, hey, be respectful of people's space and time and, and all of that. I think we can biblically see that honoring a boundary is, a, is good in that sense. We also see an example of Jesus doing this a little bit. In John 2, 24 and 25, it says, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. So this is a piece where we see that Jesus is is kind of withdrawing unto himself a little bit, and he doesn't want to, it says, entrust himself to them because he knew them full well. So I think we can even see there that there is this almost a respect of a boundary a little bit in this. But here's where I think the catch is with this one. I think you got to check your attitude with it and, and what, what your motivation is. In this statement of you are allowed to enforce your boundaries— I think you need to look at that biblically and go, first of all, what is the boundary that I'm trying to draw? And then is my heart in the right place with it? You know, and, and kind of check your attitude. Because yes, Jesus, he did oppose people at times. You know, you see him making a ruckus at times with the Pharisees and and those things, but he never sinned. His motivation, it, all of those things was always pure. Can we say the same when we're drawing our boundary lines? I, I think that would be worth asking ourselves. We also see a little bit of a boundary biblically that's drawn in marriage and leaving our mother and father and cleaving. It says in Genesis 2, 24, it says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. There is this leaving and cleaving thing where you are as a married couple to have your own family unit. You two 
It's you. You're one flesh. And that means that there is this separating, there is this boundary, if you will, between mom and dad. And that that is something that the Bible is saying, no, that that is a good thing. So here's where sometimes the boundary thing gets kind of kind of muddy. I'm going to give the example of a mother-in-law thing. I know that there's other relationships where these things can get skewed. So a lot of times people will direct this perhaps towards mother-in-laws. And, you know, maybe that the mother-in-law is not being respectful of the boundaries of, you know, her son's new family and all the things that are going on. And this one kind of cracks me up a little bit. But it's because, guys, I truly have the greatest mother-in-law of all time. I mean, this lady's amazing. And I, I, what I love so much about my mother-in-law is she and my husband, Chris, had and do still have a really close relationship. They had a very sweet relationship. But when Chris and I got married, this woman, she really, I feel, taught me what it is to leave and cleave because she really took a step back and she allowed us to really do this biblically. And she didn't step in and she didn't all do all the, these things that you traditionally hear that mother-in-laws, you know, do this. On all the things that mattered, that's how she was. Now, there's a funny one between my mother-in-law and I, and that is in decorating my house. So I can say this because she and I have a very good rapport about this, but she is great at being able to just decorate a house. She just does a great job. And you know how when you're first married, you kind of have no idea really even what your style is? Like if you get married when you're young, when you get married like right out of college or you get married 21, 22, something like that, even on a registry, you're like, I don't even know what I like. Of course, back then there was no Chip and Joanna. There was nothing to really model after. And so I honestly didn't know what my decorating style was, right? So my mother-in-law would come over and she would help hang all the pictures and do all the things. And it was great. And even then, back then, I can remember her going, now, are you okay with this? Are you okay with me doing this? And I was like, yeah, it's great. I, you know, I don't care. And then a couple years went by and I started to go, okay, I'm kind of getting this. I, I kind of want to do my fall decor this way and I want to do this and all that. And, and so I'd kind of start putting things out a certain way. Well, it was real funny, guys, because my mother-in-law would come over and she'd watch the kids or something and she would move something like she if I would have this little pumpkin, this little candle like centered on my counter or maybe I would have it to the side. She would move it to the other place like, oh, no, 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 that isn't where it goes. It goes over here. And every time she would come do this, she would I'd, I'd come back from a date from Chris and I would come home from a date and she would have moved something where I had had it decorated kind of thing. Now, I know this is a silly example. For some, I know that this would drive you crazy and you would be like, hey, no, this is my house and you can't do this. Now, I absolutely think that if that truly, truly, truly bothers you, then yes, you need to have a conversation and you need to be respectful and kind and ask that person to not do that. That's totally fine. For my mother-in-law, it's actually just kind of a fun joke, and I just move it back, and then she moves it the next time she comes, and we just kind of enjoy it about each other. I don't know. But I do know that there are things that are not silly, too. And I know that there are things that can be maybe intervening in a relationship where it does feel more difficult. But what I think is really important about this idea of placing your boundaries, I'm not saying that biblically we don't see that we should put boundaries in place, but I think it's very important that we check our attitude and our motivation in so doing. And also, and this kind of is going to lead into our next one, in how are we doing in maybe even having to die to ourselves? Because there might be times when the boundary might be a little thing. Maybe it is as silly as my decorating kind of thing. And maybe that's just something you just need to die to. And it's just really not that big a deal. 
So you kind of need to ask yourself those questions. What is the motivation? Why is it so important that I do this? So as that lends into the next one in our note to self list, the one we've not hit on yet was you do not need anyone else's approval. Okay, I think it's funny. I think these two go together because sometimes I even hear this about boundaries. They're like, well, we put a boundary and then you'll see the thing that says, I don't need anyone else's approval for the boundary that I've placed, you know? So again, a shred of truth in this, correct? Because do we need other people's approval? There's things that the Bible would say, no, 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 and would agree with this statement that we do not need anyone else's approval. For example, Galatians 1.10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So there, Paul is pointing out that, no, we are not to be seeking after the approval of man, but we're, we're to be seeking after the approval of God. Also, 1 Thessalonians 2.4, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Another one, Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So we see these pieces in scripture where it does say, yes, we are not to be going for other for man's approval, for what someone else says that we should do. So there is a, there is a piece of truth to that. But again, keep your discernment intact because where does this break down? I think where we see that breakdown is in Ephesians 5, 21. Because Ephesians 5.21 says, submit yourselves one to another. So in this place of being so adamant, and for some reason, when I read this note to self, it sounds like it's read somewhat in a tone of almost like a mantra and almost like a little bit of a command and a little angry. I don't know if, if you sense that or if that's just me reading into it. But when it says you do not need anyone else's approval, it makes me wonder what the heart behind that is. Because I do think that, again, our motivations, those are the things we need to check. Are we submitting ourselves one to another? Because while, sure, we might not need someone's approval about different decisions that are ours to make, but at the same time, I would say sometimes I think we as gals get really caught up in getting just overly emotional about things. Sometimes I wonder if we should just kind of take out some of the emotion and and just look at this and go, hey, am I submitting one to another on this? What's what's my attitude on this? What's my heart on this? And that kind of would answer the question on whether or not you need that person's approval or not. But I'd also wonder sometimes, is it an attitude that's seeking God's will? Or are we wanting my will? You know, what I want in this situation? And the answer to that is going to come down to also, how are we doing it submitting one to another, like Ephesians talks about? The next one on the list was, it said, you are capable of amazing things. Oh, goodness. I love this. Okay, so sure, you are capable of amazing things. One of the verses that everybody loves to quote, they love to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Philippians 4.13. Love that one. It's on basketball jerseys and basketball shoes because I am capable of amazing things. I can do all things. Usually, that's where it stops too, right? Usually in that verse, they kind of just, they just clip that a little bit and it says, I can do all things. And that's all it says. There's a really important part of the rest of that verse of through Christ who strengthens me. But 
the thing that is funny to me about that is that one, and we talked about this in another podcast, but it's really taken very much out of context. It is not talking about that you can make the shot or, you know, you can get through your really terrible, horrible, really hard week or tasks that you have ahead of you. What Paul is talking about in that context is being content in all situations. And and the situation that he actually found himself in there was prison. So he was not living his best life there. And what he is saying he can accomplish all things through Christ is being content in any circumstance. So it really doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you're capable of doing amazing things. So are you, am I, are we capable of amazing things? And I guess first, when I hear that, I want to define, well, what are we meaning by amazing? And I guess who's the capable one? Because remember, Philippians does say that it's through Christ who strengthens me. The capable one there is Christ, not really the I at the front of that. I think of the example of Peter and John in Acts. And in Acts 14, it it talks about that they were uneducated. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. But then get this, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So I love that verse because here's Peter and John who the Bible quite clearly says were uneducated and common. There was nothing remarkable. There was nothing that just stood them apart as being so capable to do this amazing work that the Lord had called them to do. They were uneducated and common. And I don't know about you, but that is so comforting to me. There's not a day that I wake up and feel equipped or like I just got this, you know? And I think a lot of us are in that boat. But to look at what the Lord did with Peter and John, nothing remarkable, nothing remarkable, but they had been with Jesus. And that is the key. So can we or are we capable of amazing things? I would say check what we're talking about amazing. You know, sometimes people think the amazing things has to be something that gains you like huge notoriety or something that makes you an influencer on Instagram or, you know, living your dreams and all the girl boss slogans and all of that kind of stuff. You know, you can do anything. What are those things? I mean, even ask yourself that. The things that that the world tells us to strive for and what is amazing. Man, when I think of amazing, just today... Speaking of talking about mother-in-laws, I was just talking to my mother-in-law and she was just telling me about all the things that she is praying for my kids about. And every day she has specific things that she prays for for my boys. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that's an amazing thing. Is that something that, you know, if she hadn't even told me, I wouldn't even know, right? That's nothing that's going to get her any fame or notoriety, but that's an amazing thing right there. We we have a different definition sometimes of amazing when really we should be looking at the eternal perspective of the things that really matter. Those are the amazing things. So, but I love that, you know, example with Peter and John that they had been with Jesus. And I hope that's the same for us, you know, because we can do things through Jesus He is the one that then enables us. And again, I think this lends into the last one on our list of the phrase, you are enough. And you're welcome. I'm not going to go into this one in depth because I really, truly do feel like I've beat a dead horse with this one. We've talked about this one a ton because this one just grates on me, guys, probably because it's just so 
it's just so prevalent. It really is. So I'm not going to develop this one too much again, but I I just want to remind you of a couple verses in this because, again, this is not saying that you do not have value or you do not have worth. Absolutely not. We know biblically we have intrinsic, beautiful, precious value in the sight of the Lord. Absolutely. But are you enough just by yourself? Nope. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Isn't this an ironic verse? This verse is telling us that we are supposed to be, we're supposed to be boasting in our weaknesses, not in the amazing things that we do or that we think we're doing or we're capable of doing, but we are to boast of our weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I think that that's written by Paul, but I think Peter and John caught that same vibe for sure in Acts when they were realizing, hey, we are uneducated, we are common, but they had been with Jesus and they were accomplishing amazing things, not in and of their own strength, but through the power of Christ that was resting upon them. The tricky thing with this you are enough thing it's on its own. It's It just feels so good, right? It feels like, oh, good. That's all I need. And, and it's why so many of these little sayings I think we need to be so careful about because it feels good. And it's one of the things right off the bat, we probably got to ask ourselves, man, should I even be listening to my feelings on this? There's a really good book. I may have recommended this one before, but specifically, like if you're listening to me on this You Are Enough stuff and you've heard me talk about it a zillion times and you're still just not buying it, there's a book. It's written by Ali Bestucki and it's called You're Not Enough and That's Okay, Escaping the Toxic Culture of Self-Love. And it's real good. It's a small book. I really do feel that every high school girl should read this book because they are often, I think, a a target for a lot of these types of messages. So anyway, I'll put that in the notes on the podcast, but that's a good one to check out on the You Are Enough thing. So we, we have all of these things. So look at all of these scriptures that we've covered over just five little things that was in this note to self. Note to self, your feelings are valid. You do not need anyone else's approval. You are allowed to enforce your boundaries. You are capable of amazing things. You are enough. Biblically, scripturally, can you look at those and go, hmm, are these true? Something I want to add on this, and I'm so convicted by this passage as well, but I think it's a really good reminder for us, is if you see a meme like this or a quote especially because you know how people kind of like to comment back and forth on Facebook. Could be that the comments in the field could be like, oh, this is so true and I love this and there's all these likes to it. Or maybe you're like, no, I see this biblically as an error in this and this and this. My encouragement to you and to me is to not clobber them. Galatians 6 reminds us that we are to restore a brother in a spirit of gentleness. And so I think that's important for us to making sure we're keeping our own motivation. We're not looking to get our thing in there because we we think we're right. No, restore someone in a spirit of gentleness. Be kind in even the way you comment and the way you interact with someone that perhaps really is has fallen into this you are enough or that their feelings should be the thing that rules the day. You know, don't don't just hammer them. Restore them in a spirit of gentleness. That's in Galatians 6. And I'll just read that. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. 
bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself, but let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. I think that there's a lot of things that uh, Galatians is pointing out there that Paul is highlighting that I think are important. But, you know, bearing with one another is an important thing. And we we kind of hit on that theme in each of those a little bit. Checking that motivation of, man, am I being am I submitting one to another? Am I preferring someone above myself? You can you can hear that in Paul's words on this. But be gentle. So what should we do with these kinds of statements? I wish that there was just one verse that we could just run it all through and say, "Yep, that that's it." And if it doesn't line up with that, then we know it's off. Well, I think it's just overall, you know, I think the word is most definitely the filter we need to run everything through. I, I think of the water filter that's in your fridge, right? It's, it's catching all those little impurities. We want the word to be that filter that we run this stuff through. And the things that are not true, the things that are not pure, they stick up in the filter. They don't come out into the glass. We want the things to come out to be the things that are pure. So while I don't think there is like just a verse that we can run each of these through. I think that's why it's so important that we need to be students that just are, you know, women that are just growing in our knowledge of the word, all of it. And that's why it's really important to stay in the word. But I do think that James chapter three is a good place to start for this. And so I wanted to hit on a couple of these because I think this helps us with a lot of these statements. James 3, 13 through 18, it says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. There is a ton packed in there, but I love it so much. Um, right off the bat, our conduct should be in meekness. Meekness, that's the thing that's before we even get to the list of things that it's telling us, it's a start with meekness. And that word there, it just means strength under control. But it's where we need to start. I read a definition of meekness that said it's someone who is humble, teachable, and patient under suffering in the absence of any feelings that they are better than someone else. The next thing James tells us is, but if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast to be false to the truth. So there's four things it says right there. Bitter jealousy. Boy, this is where I think we hear that the I deserve thing. If you're reading something that is telling you all the things that you deserve, wow, check that. Is that bitter jealousy? It goes on, it says selfish ambition, okay? That's the I am better than you thing. In your heart, even, it doesn't even just say that maybe you're paying lip service of maybe acting like you're putting somebody first, but it's even saying in your heart, even the way that you're thinking and your motivations, if you are posturing yourself as I'm actually better than you, that's selfish ambition. The next one it said, it says, it does not boast. Is it proud? I mean, I think sometimes that is one of the things that if we are discerning about some of these quotes, 
they come off kind of boastful. They come off kind of arrogant as this is the authority on your life kind of thing. And really, in turn, that you should demand this kind of authority, you know, like just kind of the tone even that it has of you don't need anybody else's approval. You need to throw have your boundaries and all of these things. And again, remember, we talked about there's shreds of truth in those things. But it's that attitude and posture behind them that I think can sound pretty proud. And then it also said there in James of being false to the truth. You know, is it just an outright lie? But then James adds, as we go down through 17 and 18, in verse 17 of chapter 3, he says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Wow. That's a great list. Pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, sincere. If you've got that list, how would that list do with our note to self list? How would it do? I think James 3 is a good place to reference both to see the so-called wisdom, the so-called wisdom that maybe the note to self is purporting, and then the actual wisdom from above that's pure and peaceable and and kind of run these things through that rubric, kind of run it through that filter and see how it how it does. If you struggle with this and, you know, maybe you kind of have a tendency to get kind of sucked into these things because they they appeal to your feelings. And maybe when you read them, you're like, oh, OK, maybe, you know, maybe write James 317 on a sticky note and stick it on your computer or make it a, the screensaver on your phone. But I think that's a good list to see how it measures up. You know, we call this the, the devoted podcast. Why is it called that? Why devoted? And, you know, for myself, I want to be hanging on every word that the Lord has for me, for us. I want it, that to include the, the precious verses of God's love for us, but then also the challenging verses to do nothing from selfish ambition. Okay, that one's a little harder, isn't it? You know, some say, well, you know, Amy, don't you just want to encourage us and build us up? And yes, I do want to do that when the word does that. I think that the word does build us up and it does encourage us. But then there's also some times when it does challenge us. And I don't want our devotion to wane in the slightest when it does the things that are a little bit harder. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, Psalm 119, 105 says. It's how we navigate every book we read, every speaker we hear, every podcast we listen to, blog, post you read, conversations you have with friends, all of it by being devoted to the word, really seeing what the word says and letting that be our standard. I'm really excited to see that, you know, even in dark days like this, we have so many of you guys out there, women that are wanting to link arms in prayer and in the word. And ladies, I would love to see us grow an army of women who wholly seek after the Lord and his word. We need to be women that are wise and not deceived by this truth so-called, this truth in a meme, but by the truth, the way, the truth, the life. That's that's what we want to see. So I also want to encourage you guys, you know, if sometimes we can be timid about what we share and what we say, man, We need to be gals that sharpen each other in these days. And it's okay, do so in a spirit of gentleness, but it's okay to be that sharpening a little bit and encourage someone in scripture. Share this podcast, share other scriptures, other podcasts that are pointing people biblically to where we should be going as women and being really growing in 
our knowledge of the Lord and his word, what it says and what he has to say for you. More importantly, though, I just want to encourage you guys to be in your Bibles. Make it a daily thing. Sometimes the words, it feels overwhelming to people, right? That's why they never want to do yearly reading plans, because that seems like way too much to try to conquer. Do 15 minutes. Do one verse. Do one verse today extra that you didn't do yesterday. But just kind of this growth in the Word, because what it's going to do is as we really commit to being devoted to God's Word, letting it measure us, we're just going to progress in such a way where hopefully when you read some of these things, when you have some of those conversations, something's going to stick. Something's going to, wait a minute, that, that doesn't sound quite right. A lot there, a lot to chew on. I'll stick all these scriptures in the notes as well, and I'll catch you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in Westland, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at apcreek.com.